Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Man, am I glad that that wasn't from Job. That would have made things a little more difficult tonight. It's great to be with you guys tonight. Um, as Marcus already mentioned, I don't get to do this all that often, and I'm actually quite okay with that. But uh, when I do get to do it, I'm becoming more and more grateful for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, so here we are tonight. I'm going to say one more word of prayer before I uh, get into tonight's message. Father, uh, we're grateful uh, and we need you tonight. Lord, we need you to uh, reveal yourself through your through your scripture, through your word. Uh, Lord, I need you to give me clarity of thought and, and clarity of speech, Father. We all need you to, to soften our hearts to, to what it is you're, you're speaking to us. And uh, Lord, that we would uh, just be able to, to submit to you in this. So Father, I ask that your spirit, uh, as we know it's here, but even still, Lord, come. And uh, we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. All right. So, oh yeah, we have kids to dismiss. Kids, come on through. I'll make a little path for you. We have Children's Church in the back, and uh, my wife has some fun activities planned for you guys. It looks dark and scary back there, but it's actually bright and colorful and fun once you get past the, the dark spots. But, um, so tonight, as we just read, uh, I'm going to be taking us through the story in the book of John, the Gospel of John, and it's, uh, it takes place at a place, at a, at a pool called Bethesda. This is a pool of healing found in Jerusalem. And it was kind of on the outskirts of town. It says it was by the Sheep Gate. Um, and around this pool, there were these five colonnades, or kind of like these pavilion-type things that people would gather around the pool. But they weren't just any people. It was filled with people with disabilities who were lame or blind or sick, as the text tells us. And it was believed, at least by these people who gathered around the pools, that if they saw that the water was stirred up, then that was actually the presence of an angel that had stirred up that water. And the first one to enter that water would then be healed and cleansed of whatever ailment they had. And so I want us to put ourselves in that scene. You know, I don't know about you, but the idea of a public bath, to me, is kind of one that makes me feel a little queasy. We don't do a whole lot of that in America, although in some places uh, in the world today, they still do that. And this pool was surrounded by a multitude of people with all kinds of ailments. I'm sure there were all kinds of unpleasant sights and sounds and smells going on. You know, people with possibly disfigured limbs or faces or, or different body parts. Possibly some moaning and groaning happening. Um, you know, a lot of these people couldn't walk and, and were, they didn't have the ability to go somewhere else to say, use the, the bathroom or something. So, you know, this was probably, you know, not a, a scene from, you know, the local swimming pool. This was 
you know, kind of a, a grim scene. And you have to think that this made some of Jesus' disciples uncomfortable. I know I, I probably would have felt uncomfortable, but not Jesus. We continually see throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospel, the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, how these kinds of people Jesus is drawn to. As I imagined this, I was really convicted about my own life. How much time and effort do we try, do we spend trying to avoid these kinds of situations or these kinds of people? Or maybe trying to let those people or those situations be someone else's problem? I was struck. I, I can't help but notice the compassion with which Jesus moves towards these people. And in verse 5 it says, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? That seems like an odd question. If you read my, my weekly write-up this week, I, I kind of touched on this. Why would Jesus be asking a sick man who had been lame for 38 years if he wanted to be healed? You know, we don't see doctors and nurses going from room to room, checking in, hey, do you want to get well? No, it, it, it seems like a silly question at first. But I don't think Jesus was, was being ignorant or socially inept here. I think, think that he saw something. I think Jesus saw a man who had built his life around his broken state. And he lacked hope for anything other than it. The man had been crippled for 38 years and had spent what seems like a good bit of time around this pool. His days probably consisted of sitting on his mat, asking people for money. People had pity on him. They felt sorry for his condition and they gave him a little money. And in some ways he might have felt like this was kind of working for him. He was getting by. He had made a life out of his situation, even if it wasn't a very good one. Maybe he'd been sick for so long that he'd forgotten what it's like to be well, and maybe he had just come to accept it. After all, if he was healed, people would start expecting more from him. His response to Jesus in verse 7 is this, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. This man sounds like a victim, doesn't he? He won't even give Jesus a straight answer, just an excuse. And I know it's easy to judge from our perspective, but the truth is that we are not so different from this man. If we're honest, many of us share in the same struggle with that crippled man. We say we desire to be free from things in our life like anxiety or addiction or depression. But when it comes down to it, we're afraid to let go of whatever that is that ails us because we've actually built our life around it. Instead, we allow it to rule over us and we give it permission to cripple us in every facet of our lives. We fool ourselves into thinking it's working for us in some weird way, but really it's just enslaving us. We have a long list of excuses for why we are the way we are, and we don't know another reality, so we accept what we know. 
We've forgotten what it's even like to live without this thing, and now we're almost afraid to imagine life without it. So I would ask, what is it for you? Is it the worry and anxiety that rules your thought life? Is it an all-consuming bitterness towards someone who has wronged you? Is it a secret addiction? Is it depression? Is it an unhealthy dating relationship? Is it simply a need to please people? I think Jesus asks us the same question. Do you want to be healed? Is this thing holding on to you, or are you holding on to it? There's a quote that I saw a couple weeks ago by an author named Elizabeth Gilbert. Does anyone know who Elizabeth Gilbert is? I had no knowledge of her, but apparently she's a famous author. But I saw this quote, the only exposure I've had to her, and I thought it was amazing. It says this, You're afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control. But you never had control. All you had was anxiety. That was really powerful. Whatever this, this thing is, is it worth holding on to? Do you want to be healed? Whatever it is, could you surrender it to Jesus? Could you give it to him? It's not too much for him. Your wounds are not too much for him, and he will make you well. In fact, we know from Scripture that it's by his wounds that you are healed. Look to the cross. His body, which was broken for you, so that you could be made whole. His blood that was shed for you, so that you could be washed clean. He loves you. Jesus loves you. He wants you to be free from this bondage. Do you want to get well? Verse 8, Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. At once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Are you willing to pick up your mat? Are you willing to get rid of what you used to depend on and depend on Jesus? Now, I want to be clear. This isn't a fix-yourself message. We are powerless to fix ourselves. This is a message of surrender. Surrender means releasing our need for control and controlling the things of our lives and giving them to God. Trusting in Him, believing in Him, and receiving His grace and forgiveness. When we're able to surrender, we begin, we begin to experience the healing power of a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not saying that all your problems will disappear. But when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, He begins in us an inner work. This, this inner love, this inner peace, inner joy, inner satisfaction that could only come from Him. As we follow Him and increasingly surrender to Him, He continues to heal us and continues to free us to be the person that He in fact made us to be. Jesus offers that to each of us today. Now, at the end of verse 9, we're told that this happened on the Sabbath. At this point, the, the passage shifts its focus from a group of people who knew they were sick and were looking for help to a group of people who didn't think they were sick 
and therefore we're not looking for help. Those people who didn't think they were sick and were not looking for help were, were the Jews. For many of the Jews of that day, their salvation was based on their ability to keep the law and to know the law. This is the Old Testament law of Moses that God had given the Israelites way back when. Now, this was especially true of the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, but the text doesn't specifically mention them here. The Jews had built their life around these laws. Laws about cleanliness, what to eat, what not to eat, what to touch, what not to touch. Almost anything you can think of, they had a law for. In regards to the Sabbath, the Jews worked so hard not to work. They would create all kinds of extra laws, not even found in Scripture, so that they wouldn't be tempted to break any of the laws of the Sabbath. I heard a preacher talking about this, said that he had heard of a, a, a law of the Pharisees that they, wouldn't be able, they, they didn't want to look in a mirror on the Sabbath because they would potentially see that a hair was out of place on their face or on their head somewhere. And so they didn't want to be tempted to try and fix that hair because that would be work. One of the foundational reasons to why the Sabbath exists is so we would be reminded that we are not saved by our works. God does the work and we rest in his work. The Sabbath reminds us even when we are at rest, God is still at work. It's, not, it's often also that when we are at rest that God is at work healing us. The Jews were missing the very purpose of the Sabbath. Jesus didn't get into a dispute with them about the law, even though he knew the law even better than they did. Instead, he says, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. In, the, in saying this, Jesus was calling himself the Son of God and stating that he shared in God's authority. The Pharisees, however, were so focused on the law, which they used to uphold their own righteousness, that they were blind to their own sickness. They were blind to the miracle that had just unfolded before them, and they were blind to God himself. They missed it entirely. Later on in, the, in this chapter, Jesus addressed the Jews, and he says this. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They miss Jesus. They believed their salvation was based upon how well they knew and followed the law. And if we believe that we need to earn our salvation, it'll inev inevitably lead to one of two things. Marcus said this about a month ago. It'll either lead to immense pride because we think that we're doing it, or it'll lead to utter despair because we realize how hopeless we are. We'll read our Bibles in order to fill our heads with knowledge so that we can pridefully spout out verses and win debates when our hearts are far from God. We'll go to church and we'll take pride in our attendance, but be totally void of real intimacy with God. We'll serve at a, at a local charity to be seen as one who cares for our community, but when it comes to actually loving the people who live next door to us, yes, our neighbor, 
will only judge them for their lifestyle and talk about them behind their backs. Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Do you know Jesus or do you just work for him? Don't miss him. His greatest desire is that we know him intimately as a father he says if you have seen me you have seen the father that we know him as a friend don't be so consumed with religious or moral activity that you miss the only one with the authority and the power to save to give rest to make us well and to give true life the pharisees were sick but they were blind to their own sickness they were trying to earn their way to God, and in the process, they missed God himself. Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How about you? Do you know you're sick? What's the pool that you run to? What is your cure? Do you want to get well? Are you willing to bring your sickness to Jesus? It's not too much for him. He loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you rest. True Sabbath rest. Rest in his work and stop working to try and save yourself. I want to remind you all again of what Jesus has done. Jesus came and he lived the perfect human life so that we could rest in his finished work, which was done on our behalf. Jesus went to the cross and took on our sickness and our sin so that we could be healed by faith in him and what he has accomplished. Our sickness and our sin killed the Son of God. For him, there was no cure, there was no pool. There was no angel to stir the waters. Jesus suffered and died for you and me and for our sickness and our brokenness, and it's by his wounds that we are healed. And then he rose again victorious over sin and death so that he could be for us the ultimate cure. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know you're sick? Do you want to be healed? Surrender your life to Jesus, the only one who has the power and the authority to make you well, to give you rest, to set you free, and to give you life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. This mystery of your love we cannot comprehend what you've done for us on the cross, Lord. Simply coming to earth, becoming human, taking on human flesh, Lord, that right there, we know, is not easy. 
But Lord, you saw us in our broken and sick state. You did not want to leave us there. You loved us. Thank you that you have made a way for us to be known and loved by the Father. That we can enter in a relationship with you because of what you have done for us. I pray tonight, Lord, that whether whether we've surrendered to you never before or whether we've surrendered to you thousands of times before, Lord, you would increase in us our faith so that we could increasingly submit to you, to your rule and your reign in our life. Lord, you desire so much more for us, but often we hold on to these things and we get comfortable. So Father, I just ask that you would give us enough faith to pick up our mat. Whatever this is that we've been resting on, Lord, may we do away with it. And may we may we truly rest in your love. We love you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.